anybody seen anything happen with R22 yet? Did y'all fast? Boy, I about starved to death. I went to Hayes on my way home and got two steaks. And I put them on the grill and I wasn't near as hungry as I thought I was. But it was a good day. The Lord spoke to me. Anybody? Hey, keep on praying, okay? Keep on praying for the people in our community. Jesus is going to do big things through your prayers. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. The title of the message today is Division Devastated. There is a way that division can be devastated in our world, especially the church. Ephesians 2, verse 1. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Stop right there for just a second. I want to explain something to you. Uh, Paul starts this verse off, uh, this, this new section off, uh, with that first sentence, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. That word sins there, if you've been raised in church, or maybe you've just kind of had some form of relationship with the church, when you see the word sins, uh, most of the time our mind goes to all those bad things we've done. You know, all those, all those really bad, terrible things that we've done in our life. Those are our sins, but that's not exactly what that word communicates. Um, the literal word, the literal definition of that word is to miss the mark. Okay? So, there, and, and in Paul's thought, he's probably thinking like bow and arrow, um, archery. So, there is this mark right here. And, and whatever, whatever is in this mark is God. He's the goal. He's the standard. It's holiness. This is the mark. And, and what that's communicating is you're dead in your trespasses and sins. Nobody's hitting the mark. We are hopelessly, every one of us, missing the mark. We're, 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 we're not even shooting half the time. We're, we're dead in our trespasses and sins. We're, we're spiritually not alive. So we're all over here. It's, it's not necessarily all those bad things we did. It is that. It's not just that. It's missing God. It's missing holiness. It's coming up short. It's not hitting the mark. Okay, we got, we got to understand what Paul's talking about before we, we keep going we're, 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 not, we're not hitting the mark. That's what he's communicating. You're hopeless, hopelessly missing the mark. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you previously lived according to the ways of this world. According to the ruler of the power of the air. The spirit now working in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires. Carrying out the inclinations of our flesh. And thoughts, and we were by nature children under wrath, as the others were also. Go back to the first part of that that passage, please. I I want y'all to see something, okay? I want you to see the pronouns that Paul uses in this passage. 
And you, that's the first pronoun. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. Who's Paul talking to? He's talking to Ephesians, Ephesian believers who were not Jewish. They're Gentiles. That was the main divide of Paul's world at the time of this writing is Jew or Gentile. That was the main us and them. And so Paul is a Jew and he's writing to these Gentile believers and he says, you, all of y'all, Ephesian Gentile believers, you were dead in your trespasses and sin. We would be Gentiles. Unless you're Jewish. And that's cool. So he says all that in verses 1 and 2. But then look at how he starts verse 3. We too. All previously lived among them in our fleshly desires. So he says Gentiles. You're messed up. You missed the mark. And then he transitions in verse 3 and he says, and we did too. So the Gentiles missed the mark and the Jews missed the mark. And if that's not enough, look at the end of verse 3. The next one. And we were by nature's children under wrath as the others were also. So maybe you don't identify as a Jew or a Gentile. You in there with us too. All the others were also. The first thing I want us to see this morning, the first observation in in this scripture is we're all united in absolute hopelessness. We don't like to be united there, but let me tell you something, friend. It don't matter if you're brown or white, vaccinated or unvaccinated, Masked or unmasked, uh, Republican or Democrat, Baptist or Buddhist, drink a 12-pack a day or won't take NyQuil. (laughs) Wherever you want to draw the line, you are dead in your trespasses and sins, and we are also... And everybody else is too. Hopeless, desperately hopeless, united under the banner of of desperate and, and, and no hope. Every one of us. No matter where your sexuality is, dead in your trespasses and sins. No matter what your family life is, no matter where you were born, whether you're Russian or Ukrainian, no hope in the world. Desperate, missed the mark. I want to show you three things in this passage that I think divide us and keep us divided. The first one is is in verse 2. Um, Paul says this, you were dead in your trespasses and sins which you previously lived according to the ways of this world. The ways of this world. That's one thing that divides us and keeps us divided. 
Dustin, what do you mean? We, we, have this, we have this sin problem that has trickled into every area of our world. Every area of our world. It has caused, it has wreaked havoc in everything. It has broken the world systems. And, and what happens is we, we, we run into these problems that were ultimately created by sin. Uh, I'll give you an example, poverty. We have this poverty problem. I'm not telling you that people in poverty are more sinful than people that have a lot of money. Uh, I'm not telling you the opposite either. I'm just telling you poverty is a result of the ultimate sin problem up here. And we don't argue with one another about whether or not we like poverty. Like, man, I think we should have poverty. Well, I don't like poverty. We don't have that discussion. If you do, man, that's sick. But what we, do, what we do divide over is how do we fix poverty? I think we ought to do this to fix poverty. I think we ought to do this to fix poverty. And the problem is both of those ways are absent from the one who has stolen the power of poverty, stolen the power of sin. And, and for, for all time... We have been trying to fix issues absent of the one who has power over sin, the major problem. And every, every government, every power that has ever existed has failed. Because you can't fix sin problems absent of the one who has grabbed the power of sin. The ways of this world divide us. We tend to lean to the, way, to the ways of this world. Not, not just in big problems, but in our marriages. Our marriage starts falling apart. And we don't, we don't, we don't lean into Jesus. We lean into the ways of the world. My marriage is falling apart. Let's have a kid. Go on with that. My marriage is falling apart. Maybe I should buy a new car. You can't fix results of sin absent of the one who has power over sin. The next thing in this passage that, that divides us and keeps us divided is the ruler of the power of the air in verse 2. We have an enemy. A couple weeks ago when we washed one another's feet, we saw that, that command where Jesus said, they'll know you are my disciples by the way you love one another. Did you, did you hear that? They'll know you are my disciples by the way you love one another. So what will the enemy do? Make you hate one another. Create factions among one another. Divide. Separate by love, by, by hatred, by, by, by race, by ethnicity. Separate in, in any way that he can get us to separate. We have an enemy that is trying to divide and keep us divided. And then the third thing, we don't really like to talk about that. 
but we're the problem. Man, don't you hate that? Paul says our fleshly desires keep us divided. The truth is we, we rarely make a decision without looking at how it's going to affect me positively or negatively. I don't, I don't say do I need to sacrifice for the whole most of the time when I make a decision. I say how's this going to affect me? And these three things divide us and keep us divided. And they keep us without hope in the world and missing the mark over and over and over again. Congratulations. We'll see y'all next week. We're going to sing a couple more songs. That's not good news, is it? Next, next words. But God. Man, I hope that gives you some relief. <laughs> because what we just read said, all of us are jacked up and helpless. And, and every time we try to fix it, we don't do nothing but make it worse. But somebody outside of us who's bigger than us and better than us, has stepped in to the, to the show with us. But God. Man, I hope that gives you some relief. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love that He had for us, made us alive with Christ even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. He also raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavens in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages we might display the immeasurable riches of His grace through His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift. Not from works so that no one can boast for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. Man, I'm glad that it didn't stop at the end of verse 3. The second observation this morning is this. We are all united in need of God's love, mercy, and grace. We got to keep that mindset of us missing the mark. Because we, we like to... We like to, to kind of play games with this in a churchy world. And we like to say, you know, Dustin's a pastor and he just, he just barely misses the mark. He misses the mark goodly. Who doesn't mind me picking on him? Mark, you're a bad sinner. Mark badly misses the mark. His name's even Mark because he's off the mark. <laughs> and we like to play this game. You know, Dustin, he's a, he's, a good, he's a goodly sinner. He's close to the mark. And Mark is way off the mark. But, but maybe we need to think in terms of March Madness. Well, it hurt yesterday, didn't it? Basketball's going on. And we've got, 
We've got like three experts of basketball right here on the front row. So we can ask them anything we want to. We might as well take advantage of that. Coach Parker, uh, Coach Wiles, um, Coach Riddle. If you miss a shot, like you shoot it and it goes in the basket and twirls around but doesn't quite go through the net and pops back out. Did Devo hit the rim? We were, yeah, he went, okay. All right, does that, okay, you got that shot. And then you got an air ball. Which one do you get more points for? They're looking at me like, you should know this, Dustin, but I'm asking you. No points. Zero points. So if you barely miss the mark, or if you badly miss the mark, you get the same score. Zero. Nada. Nothing. Now, the crowd may say, air ball for Mark. But you know what? It doesn't matter what the crowd says because it don't change the score. You with me? So what verses 4 through 10 say is that both of us are spiritually dead. And I didn't make any progress toward the mark. I'm right here beside the mark. I'm awesome like that. And Mark's way off from the mark. But we both missed the mark. But what that, those verses say is that if, if Mark over here cries out to Jesus and says... Jesus, I understand that I'm spiritually dead and I repent of my sins and understand my only hope is if you give me life because I can't find it in myself. Jesus changes the mark around Mark. He brings Mark into God. Into God's holiness. And the danger is, praise the Lord, the danger is with people that are real close to the mark. They start saying, I'm, you know, nobody's perfect. I'm close. And they boast in their closeness to the mark when actually they've completely missed and they're spiritually dead. Sometimes it's not as dangerous to be way out yonder, knowing that if somebody else don't do it, it ain't going to get done. Then to be rubbing elbows with the mark, but you ain't in the mark. We are all, everybody in the sound of my voice and outside of it, all desperate, desperate and hopeless, without hope in the world, only relying on a love and mercy and grace outside myself to move toward me and take me into him. That's a way we're united.
It's not Jesus plus religion. It's not Jesus plus my good works. It's not Jesus plus my almost. It's completely dependent on Jesus to come to me. In my deadness, my spiritual deadness and give me life. No way around it. Let's keep reading. So then, all right, y'all been, y'all been under my teaching enough. What, what does the word, is the word so important? What, is, what does the word so mean? What I just read is important to what I'm about to read. What I just understood in the scripture, it's a transition word, transitioning me to not forget what I just read. So then, remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh. Don't forget this. Called the uncircumcised by those called the circumcised, which is done in the flesh by human hands. At that time you were without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel and foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope, without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He is our peace, who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility in his flesh. Oh, sorry, there was a period there. In his flesh, he made of no effect the law consisting of commands and expressed in regulations so that he might create in himself one new man from the two, resulting in peace. He did this so that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross by which he put the hostility to death. He came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. The last thing that I want us to see, the last observation is this, we're all united in our forgetfulness. We forget... That we were dead in our trespasses and sins and we didn't do anything to get it. But Jesus made a way for us and that's the only way we had. And, and what happens is, is people do stuff to us and we get offended right off the bat because we've forgotten that. And, and our relationships are broken and we're disunified. We're, we're broken apart because we forgot that. And all of us do it. All of us do it. We forget. There's one more thing that I want you to see in there. In that scripture. I want us to focus on. And it's, it's critical to understanding it. Paul talks about a dividing wall of hostility. And Paul, being a Jew, I, I have to believe he's thinking about the temple. Because in, in, in Jewish culture, the temple was all about dividing people. 
That's, that's, that's what it did, actually. There was, it was divided into courts. There was the court of the Gentiles. That's, that's the first step you go into. And then after that, there's an open door and there's the court of the women. And if you're a Gentile, you don't get to go into the court of the women. You stop at the court of the Gentiles. And then after the court of the women, it's the court of the Jews. And if you're a woman, you stop at the court of the women. You don't go into the court of the Jews even if you are a Jew. And then after the court of the Jews, there's this holy place. And if you're a Jew but you're not a priest, you stop in the court of the Jews. You don't go into the holy place. And then there's this place called the most holy place. And you don't get to go into that place unless you're a high priest. If you're a priest, you have to stay back. You, you can't go in there unless you're a high priest. And then there's the most holy place. And that's where God is. And you don't get to go in there, but a little bit of time per year if you are the high priest of that year. And one time, the guy writing this letter was in the temple. And I want you to see what happened to him. It's in the book of Acts. You can look it up. That's Acts 21, 29. Paul is in the temple with a friend. And, and he gets mobbed by these people because they think he has taken a Gentile too far into the temple. For they had previously seen Trophimus, if you're having a baby, that's a good name. The Ephesian. Is that not wild? Because this book that we're reading out of is a letter to the Ephesians. And this cat, Trophimus, might have been one that heard this letter read out loud. They had previously seen Trophimus, the Ephesian, in the city with Paul. And they supposed that Paul had brought him into the temple. And Paul got arrested over this deal. And can you imagine being Trophimus and Paul writing a letter to the Ephesian church and hearing Paul say, the dividing wall of hostility has been torn down. You remember that time we were in the temple and it got hostile for us? Because of Jesus, that's no more. In that most holy place that divided the presence of God from everybody else, there was a curtain. God's on one side of the curtain, and everybody else is on the other side of the curtain. And the high priest of that year would wear bells on his clothes and he would ring a bell while he's, he got to be in the presence of God for that short period of time and he had a rope tied to his foot and he would ring the bell as he's meeting with God because if brother had sin in his life God was fishing to take him out and if the bell quit ringing they knew well dude had a problem but you couldn't go in there and get his body because that meant you were going into the presence of God and you're not authorized. 
So they tied a rope to his foot and they would pull him out when he died. If he had sin in his life. Can you imagine 2,000 years ago on a Friday if we could go back in time and we're Americans and 2,000 years ago we had time traveled Brett Miller's the only one I know that's ever time traveled really but (laughs) if we could time travel with Brett Miller and we landed ourselves in the temple on a Friday You and I, the bridge church, we would be stuck out there in the court of the Gentiles. But we could see the rest of the temple because the doors would be open. The gates would be open. We could see the Jewish people up there in in their courts. And and what if we ran into a Jewish guy and be like, man, can we we go into the court of the women just just one more place? And he's like, no, man. Only way you can do that is to be born an Israelite, to be born a Jew. You can't go in the court of women. Man, I wish I was born a Jew. Reckon we could, like, maybe get a couple of us into the, the court of Jews? No, you, you can't do that. You, you would have to be born a Jewish man to get to the court of the Jews. Sorry, man. Man, I really wish I could, I could get up there in that holy place. If, if I could get close to the presence of God, I would, I would want to be with God all the time. If I could just get into the presence of God, man, I would, I would want to be with God all the time. Is there any way I could get to that, that holy place or most holy place? I, I really want to get into the presence of God and we felt an earthquake. And, and, and we saw up in the temple where that curtain was that was dividing everybody, the whole world from the presence of God, from top to bottom, shred. And we were like, what happened? Man, all I know is a man named Jesus just died on the cross and cried out to heaven and said, it's finished. And the curtain shredded. And God said, come to me. Everybody, women, Gentiles, Jews, others, come to me. Bring it to me. Bring it to me. Sinful, close, far away, come to me. Because of the cross, the curtain has been torn. I'm here. Come to me. And, and in that moment when Jesus said, it's finished, and the curtain was torn, every one of us had access to the Father God. The dividing wall of hostility has been torn down. That's a great story. That's a true story. But we better be careful sewing up curtains that Jesus has ripped in two. We don't fix curtains that Jesus tore. You with me? The dividing wall has been torn down. Leave it torn. 
A few, last week, y'all, I said this, and everybody laughed like it was a joke. I know I like to cut up, but I, there was not one ounce of joke in me. I hope Easter Sunday, this place smells like skunk weed and hard liquor. I'm not kidding. Because the dividing wall has been torn for that person to come into the presence of Jesus. And that's where everything changes. You with me? I'm stoked about it. I'm stoked about the potential of these people that are, that are far from God or even close to God but, not, but are still missing the mark, entering into the holy place with King Jesus. And that's where things change. And that's where we become family. Earlier um, in the message, I talked about how we miss the mark because we embrace the ways of the world. <clears throat> but that's not, a, that's not only a world big issue. Poverty It's not even an only a marriage issue between couples. We do that with ourselves. We, we look at our lives, and man, if you're, if you're spiritually dead, it doesn't matter if you're far away or close, you know something's not right. And what we tend to do is we tend to use the ways of the world, something's broke, I need to fix it. And so we try to fix the issues in our individual lives apart from the only one that can really speak to those issues. And we continue to miss the mark. The only way things change is to go to the one that holds the keys to the chains of our sin. That's the only way things change. Spiritually dead people don't, don't wake up and do something for themselves. They need a reviver. This morning, if you're far from God or if you're really close to trusting God with your whole heart, don't, don't try to fix yourself. Run to Jesus. Run to Jesus just like you are and don't worry about staying there. Because if you get to him, things are about to change. They cannot stay the same if you run to him. Almost every Sunday we give you this opportunity to do this. I hope you've heard the clear gospel today. If you want to trust Jesus for the first time, if you say, man, it's landed on me. I've been trying to fix all this stuff so I can make things right with God. I've been, I've been doing all this in my life. Uh, but the truth is I need, I need something outside of me because I can't do it. If that's you, you want to trust Jesus for the first time ever, Will you stand up right now?
I'm not going to ask people to bow their heads and close their eyes. Um, This may be a personal thing, but it's not a private thing. If you want to trust Jesus for the first time this morning, I want to ask you to stand up and say, I've tried, I've failed, I'm done, I want Jesus, and that's all. This is your opportunity to do that this morning. Thank you, sister. Anybody else? That took a lot of courage, boldness. But it encouraged me. Did it encourage you? Ms. Twyford, if you will, will you walk out in the lobby? We'll be out there in just a second to visit with you. Um, Mom, will you walk out there, please? You don't, you don't have to trust the Lord Jesus on a Sunday. Um, there's been a guy, he's going to be baptized in a few weeks. He's been sitting over here, and he says he's walked out every Sunday just knowing he needed to surrender to Christ. It's just been wearing him out. And he came to my office on a Tuesday and said, I give up. I want to be with Jesus. So if you need to come see me on Tuesday, that's cool. Let me pray. Father, you are so good, and we understand completely that we are just desperately without hope in this world. We can't try hard enough. We can't sing loud enough. We can't work hard enough. We can't go to church enough. We can't have a strong enough marriage. We can't do anything. Anything in this world, we cannot do it. We confess that we are without hope in this world. But God, only through the blood of Jesus do we have hope. But because of the blood of Jesus, we have everything. God, will you make us unified like your scripture speaks of? Will you you not let us forget that? Will you not let us walk away? Sometimes we want to grow into something deeper or something bigger. There's nothing deeper than the cross. There's, there's, There's nothing better than the cross. Help us stay there. Let us be unified, not not for the sake of unity, but for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of our community. 
for your sake. Thank you for the courage and obedience of my sister. Would you make me more like that? Would you make us all more like that? When you say it, would you make us stand up? When, when you want to do something in our life, will we say yes right then? Will you, will you help us be that type of follower? I pray these things for us and I pray these things for me. Because I'm not as close. I'm nowhere near. I need you. In Jesus' name, amen.